pray that I may preach in the name of God, revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit down. This is a poem. This is a poem by David Constantine. Lazarus to Christ. You are forgetting. I was indeed dead, not comatose, not sleeping, and could no more wish for resurrection than what we are before could wish for birth. I had already slid four days down when you hauled me back into the air. Now they come to watch me break bread and drink the wine. Even the tactful plead with dumb faces to be told something. And dear, even you who wept for me and of whom it is said you know all things, what I mutter in nightmare, I believe you lie awake to overhear. You too are curious. You too make me afraid of my own cold heart. However I wash, I cannot get the foist out of my flesh. Christ to Lazarus. They followed me when we came there, and I know very well they were already leaving me. Not one among your mourners had any stomach to go on, and when we, when we moved the stone and we could smell death in his lair, they slid off me like a cloud and left me shining cold on the open grave, crying for you and heaving until death gave and you were troubled in your mottled shroud. They hid their eyes. They begged me let you stay, but I was adamant, my friend, for soon by a loving father, fiercer than any moon, it will be done to me too on the third day. I hauled you out because I wanted to. I never wept for anyone but you. Resurrection is nothing like resuscitation. Our pale grey vision is forever muddying the brilliance of that which God presents to us. Hand-me-down faith has no power to convert the sceptic. New life is new life, not wishful thinking. Resurrection is not like much the same forever and ever. Instead, I make all things new, which is why we have that wonderful passage from Revelation this morning to accompany us on this All Saints Sunday. The complete turnaround where death will be no more, neither crying nor any kind of pain. The story of Lazarus is crucial to the dramatic structure of John's Gospel. It is placed at midpoint of the story, the seventh sign of the so-called Book of Signs that forms the first half. Remember the story at the wedding of Canaan of Galilee, the water into wine? Well, that was noted as the first of the signs. The raising of Lazarus 
is given as a single main course of the plot, of the cause of the plot against Jesus. It is central to the discussion on the theme of resurrection, and it anticipates the resurrection of Jesus at the end. Lazarus is a form of a name, the Hebrew name is Eliezer, which means God helps. Mary and Martha and Lazarus appears elsewhere only in Luke's gospel. But in Luke, as you may well know, Lazarus is a fictional figure, the poor man in the parable of the rich man and the beggar at the gate. At the end of the parable, Lazarus dies and goes to Abraham's bosom in heaven. And the rich man who also dies is sent to hell begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers. And the punchline is in Abraham's reply. I tell you, they will not believe, even if one should rise from the dead. And it's ironic that John has made Lazarus a real person who does indeed come back from the dead. But far from um, um, sort of causing others to believe, it is made the main reason why Jesus himself is put to death, certainly in John's Gospel. John has Lazarus four days in the tomb, longer even than Jesus, and already begins to decay, as that strong, powerful poem actually um, brings out. The rabbis debated, apparently, that the soul hovered around the body for three days, but then after that, there was no hope of resuscitation. So Jesus in John's Gospel is accomplishing the utterly impossible to bring his friend back to life. The story is also remarkable at the display of Jesus' emotion. I, I, I had to change the, the probably the, if you've got uh, some words of the, of the readings uh, in front of you, you'll see I did change it because I just love the, the shortest phrase in the Bible, Jesus wept. That actually said, it says volumes, doesn't it? The, 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 and the shout that Jesus calls out to call Lazarus out is the same rare word used by the people in the crowd to call for Barabbas rather than Jesus to be released. So Jesus' shout um, sort of is hauling Lazarus back to life, and the baying of the crowd drives Jesus to his death. It's a, extraordinary ironies going on in John's Gospel. Yet the raising of Lazarus anticipates the resurrection of both Jesus and ourselves. And there are significant differences. The grave clothes uh, for Jesus is left, are left in the tomb when Jesus rises from the dead. He needs no one to unbind him. The power of God is the resurrection. Lazarus rises to die again rather than resurrected in the true Christian sense of the world. John portrays the resurrected Christ still being able to share in physical um, embodiment for a trial period, or for a, for a time, anyway, a limited time, perhaps for the sake of us assuring those close to him that he is truly alive. And he is truly the same Jesus. 
yet his resurrection and, <coughs> is, uh, and ours is to eternal life and a completely different mode of existence. Flesh and blood does not, um, does, does not, uh, I'm just trying to remember the phrase actually, uh, it is not flesh and blood that inherits the kingdom of God, but we shall all be changed. That's what St. Paul says in his amazing um, letter to the Corinthian church. Resurrection means that everything we are in this life, both body and soul, is redeemed by God and held by him. God will continue to hold us in being. We shall not be less than we are, but infinitely more. I think it's quite nice to say that on what, what, what many people will be celebrating as Halloween today, <laughs> with all these sort of floaty things going on and nasty-looking sort of... Uh, uh, ghosty stuff, you know, that actually flesh and blood is really, really important to God. <laughs> Christian faith in the resurrection doesn't depend on the literal and detached um, historical truth, though, of the stories of Jesus' own resurrection. Gospels um, continually mix the historical with interpretation and the symbolic, and it's often impossible to separate them out. We don't have to be literalistic about these things. But the earliest witness, Paul and Mark, Mark's is obviously the earliest gospel, are silent about the physical mechanics of the resurrection and the nature of the resurrection body. Remember that young man at the tomb in Mark's gospel? He is not here. He is risen. But it's equally clear that in speaking of resurrection, Neither they or any of the New Testament writers are speaking about a purely subjective vision on the part of the disciples, still less of a, like a projection, psychological projection, or as a metaphor for this worldly hopes and um, memory. Whether the mechanics of the resurrection, whatever it is, Paul is clear that Christ conquered death and lives in the most real sense possible, and he is fully aware of the danger of being misunderstood. Paul's communities, um, uh, uh, he talks about the reality of resurrection and led him to tell the Thessalonian church not to grieve as those who have no hope. But he did not tell them not to grieve at all. Part of Jesus' emotion shown at Lazarus's tomb, shows a capacity to grieve openly and honestly. And we've seen this throughout the, 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 the extraordinary collection of, of New Testament um, uh, stories and things that we have in the Gospels. This sort of honesty and earnestly of taking people seriously seems to be the figure of Jesus. And we ourselves need to know what passion is in order to be compassionate to others. When we lose someone who is worth more to us than life itself, or when the time comes when we have to look our own death in the face, there is more comfort to be had in a friend who can grieve with us than in one who simply encourages us to have faith and be brave. 
and there is infinitely more in a God who does the same. Amen.